This morning in the Advent season, we're going to look at a couple things. And it was a gift to us and for us as this baby came. And I was really excited because I read first John when the Word became flesh and the Word was God, was with God. All things were created through the Word. And I looked at that and I'm like, that's where I'm going to go this week. But that's, I'm going to save that for Christmas Eve. Because it really got me excited to know that the babe in this manger was the Word of God. And last week we talked about the babe and laying aside all his deity. And he didn't lay it aside. He didn't say, okay, I'm going to leave my deity here and I'm going to become flesh. But no, he took it all and he became a babe. And the Scriptures in Philippians said that he didn't even regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. And you think a thing to be grasped would be like holding on to. But no, a thing to use is his privilege. Instead, he came as a baby born to die. And to give us life. And you see, this morning as we do and we celebrate, even with heavy news, we celebrate Caleb and Aiden this morning. We celebrate that their mom and dad, Andrew and Megan, have come and you guys are here this morning. This is a glorious occasion. You saw something very unique that, you know, we can't really... Um, Look at as in physical eyes because there's something spiritual that takes place when we dedicate our children to the Lord. And how special it is to you to be in the congregation and in the church that you've grown up in. And so we welcome you with open arms. Although I'm a new pastor and you don't know me, I welcome you with open arms and just say this is a glorious morning for you guys. And I'm a twin myself, so I know how special that is. So this morning we're going to go right into Malachi. And the point number one is God remembers His promises. And so I'm already there. And so I'll read. I thought I was there. I'm not there. We will have it on the screen. Okay. It says, look, I am going to send you the prophet Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. And I could almost hear God saying, that's it. I'm going to be silent for 400 years. I've been speaking from the fall of man until this time that I am going to send a Savior to redeem the world. And I would call it as God on a mission to restore all things. And so He says that I'm going to send this prophet. And then if we could go to Psalms 89... Verses 34 through 37, before we get into the story this morning, God says this I will not violate my covenant or change what my lips have said. Once and for all, I have sworn an oath by my holiness. I will not lie to David 
His offspring will continue forever. His throne like the sun before me. Like the moon established forever. A faithful witness in the sky. And I share that this morning because of the promises of God. We know through Scripture that oftentimes it seems that God is slow. And Peter talks about this, is that sometimes God, we as men, we're like, God, why don't you come and consummate this world? Why don't you just bring an end to it? But we know that God is working out His plan. And we even know this morning that if you don't know who Jesus Christ is, if you have not put your trust in Him and your belief in Him, that you are here at such a time as this because God has a plan for your life. And we know that a thousand days is like one day to the Lord and one day is like a thousand years. And God is not slow as we would think is slow. He is desiring that all would come to repentance. And so when we look at the story of the Advent, as we're looking at Christmas this year, what I wanted to do, because we get so busy in life, and there's so many things going on around this season, is that we as believers, we cannot forget that there was a babe in the manger, and this babe was God Himself. And so I pray for you is that this year that Jesus would be made more real than the last year. And that on Christmas morning as you begin and you're ready to open those gifts and as I talked about it last week that we long for those gifts unless you're Peter Schaufel. If you weren't here, he's a nine-year-old and he was going to get clothes for Christmas. I said, I feel very sorry for you, Peter. But that's what happens as you get older, it becomes clothes. And then you become my age and you do like the clothes. So it's just weird how it all works. But some of you still like your toys. But as we go in Christmas Day, we're waiting to open that gift. And we long for that time that we open the gift. And can it not be that we long for the Savior to return? And we celebrate that God sent His Son. And so we come upon a part of the Advent that is different and a little bit strange. And we're going to look at the life of Zechariah and Elizabeth in Luke 1. And next week we're going to look at Joseph and Mary. And how God chooses the unlikely things of this world to change it. You see, we even look at the Scriptures and it says God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And I don't know about you, but that puts me in such a league of hope today. And you think I'm kidding, but I'm really serious. And you see, Zechariah, his name means God remembers. I think that is unique. Elizabeth, her names mean his oath. Think about that for a moment. God has been silent for 400 years and all of a sudden He chooses to speak to a man whose name means God remembers and then Elizabeth, his oath. And so let's just go and I'll read some scriptures and I have a lot of scriptures this morning And I will not go through them all. 
because we would be here for a while. But it says this in chapter 1 of Luke, verse 5. In the days of King Herod in Judea, there was a priest of Abijah's division named Zechariah. His wife was from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all the commands and requirements of the Lord. But they had no children because Elizabeth could not conceive, and both of them were well along in years. You see, it goes on and it talks about the unlikeliness of what is happening here. Zachariah shows up and really he did this twice a year. And there were one week periods where he would go and he would serve as a priest. But this time his lot fell to him that he would actually offer the incense and prayer. And this was a once in a lifetime chance. And I believe in life, sometimes we get lucky, but I believe that God has an ordained plan for His people. And I believe that in certain times in history that God has broken through in His kingdom. You see it through the Old Testament, that God's kingdom broke through. But this was the beginning of something unique. That God was beginning to change all of history and He chooses to use an old man and a lady's womb who was closed. And so he was offering up, and I'll do my best to share the story with you, as he was offering up the incense, the people were praying, and angels showed up and appeared to him. And Zechariah was terrified and overcome with fear. You see, angels are messengers of God, and a lot of times in the Old Testament, when an angel showed up, it was judgment. Not all the time. But the angel said to Zechariah, don't be afraid because your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. And you will name him John. There will be joy and delight for you and many will rejoice at his birth. And then this is verse 15. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and will never drink wine or beer. Now this is a newer translation. And I'm wondering, beer, that's interesting. But why don't we just put whiskey in there too? Because that's what he's doing. He's taking a Nazarite pledge. That's what he's saying this child will be. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while he's still in his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will do many things. And it says to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. He's fulfilling Malachi chapter 5, verses 4 and 5 through John. And then John says this, how can I know this, Zechariah? Or Zechariah asked the angel, for I'm an old man and my wife you got to catch this. My wife is well along in years. Did you notice he did not call his wife old? So just an advice to you men of God. 
Just take his advice. I, I just had to put in something funny. And I thought, what a wise man. And the angel stood before him and he said, listen, John, you don't believe me, do you? And this is my paraphrase. From now on, you're not going to be able to speak. And so John goes silent. He comes out of the temple and the people know that God has showed up. Whatever he saw, it must have been great. God had given John or Zechariah the promises of a coming son that would prepare the way for the Lord. But his heart did not believe. My point number two this morning, so point number one is God remembers His promises. Point number two is doubt and faith unite. You see, as I was praying over this message yesterday and thinking that all of us go through seasons of doubt, and I want to say that doubt is okay. Actually, I think doubt can be healthy. But we never lose sight of Jesus Christ. You see, we talked a while ago, and I I will hold this to be true, is that we don't put faith in faith, we put faith in Jesus Christ alone. He is the one who decides what happens. But as his mouth is shut, as Zachariah's mouth is shut, he goes home, and it does say this, it does skip, is that he goes home and then his wife becomes pregnant and she conceives. And great joy filled her heart and she says, the Lord has done this for me and He has looked with favor in these days to take away my disgrace among the people. And you see, God shows up. And why does God show up like this? Think about this for a moment. Why does God always show up in the most inopportune times In the most impossible situations, have you asked yourself that before? Because only He deserves the glory. Oftentimes, and we see it throughout Christian history, that often men take their uh, privilege and, and they put themselves on a pedestal when really the true one that has moved the hearts of men and women has been God Himself holding on to the promises. And so we come to the part of the story, the birth and the naming of John. And you can find it, I won't read it word for word, but you can find it in Luke 1, 57-66. She conceives and has a baby and the whole community is there at this time. And they were going to name the child Zechariah, which was a normal thing to name after the dad. And Elizabeth said, no, you should call this child John. And the people said, wait, 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 no, that's not the way it's going to take. Let's talk to Zechariah. Well, Zechariah could not talk because of his own belief. They gave him a tablet. He asked for a tablet. He wrote John's name on the tablet. And as soon as he showed the people what God had said, his mouth became, began to be open. And this, in my opinion, in my opinion alone, take it and chew on it, is that doubt and faith met at this very time for Zechariah. 
You see, I was thinking about it yesterday. Although Zechariah had the promise, although the angel showed up. And if an angel shows up, I'm going to be, I'm just going to believe, I think. Unless it looks like this situation, I don't know what I would do. But even then, Zechariah could have at that moment turned his back on the promises of God and said, no, I am going to call my son Zechariah. But I don't believe that that was what was in Zechariah's heart. I believe he was seeing the promises of God being fulfilled. And faith unites with Zechariah and his tongue is opened. How can we bring that into our situations today? If you have heard a promise from God that even today looks impossible, so much so that your doubt has shut your mouth, and I have been there before, I have nothing to say, but when God comes through, we must testify of the goodness and the grace of God. Just like Zechariah is doing here, he's saying, this is what God has done. So I want to challenge you today with those promises that God has spoken to you when He brings them to pass. Please do not let your lips be silent. Give God glory. And even if you've had so much doubt, it's okay. You see, when God fulfills those promises... When He does that, He gets the glory. He gets the honor. And my point number three is Zechariah's prophecy. His mouth is opened. A promise is happening. And I can just imagine at this moment in the story of the Advent, that the angels in heaven are stirring. Think about it for a minute. God is getting doing something. And I just can hear the angels just going off and saying, something is about to happen. Something is going on. And then Zechariah prophesies. And I think his prophecy brings hope. So we will go there and I'll read through his prophecy. Verse 67. Then his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Blessed is the Lord, the God of Israel, because He has visited and provided redemption for His people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of His servant David, just as He spoke by the mouth of His holy prophets in ancient times. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of those who hate us. He has dealt mercifully with our fathers and remembered His holy covenant, the oath that He swore to our father Abraham. And I was reading through some of Spurgeon's writing, and Spurgeon says this, and I agree wholeheartedly that all the promises to the children of Israel are our promises in Christ Jesus. And so the oath that He swore to the father Abraham falls to us, the Gentiles. Which, if you think about that, that is awesome. And it goes on to say, He has given us the privilege, since we have been rescued from the hand of our enemies, to serve Him without fear, in holiness, in righteousness, in His presence all our days. 
And I want to talk just for a moment about serving the Lord God without fear in holiness and righteousness in His presence all of our days. You see, the babe in the manger wasn't just any normal baby. He was God. He was Emmanuel that would dwell with us. Well, because of Jesus, God coming in flesh, because God had to come to redeem His creation, is that because of the cross of Jesus Christ, because He has passed through the heavens, and He is seated now at the right hand of the Father, He has taken away the fear And sometimes I think we lose the fear and awe of the Lord our God because we have come and we have the mindset that we can just rush into His presence. But see, the presence of God is holy. And it's a fearful thing to fall in the hand of an angry God. But you see, Christ Jesus did on the cross. For us, Christ Jesus fell in the hand of an angry God, not against humanity per se, but against the sin and the curse and the death that it brought. But now, because of Christ, if you have accepted Jesus Christ and believe that He is without sin, that He died and rose again on the third day, you are now in a place where you don't have to serve the Lord our God in fear. Now you are in a place that you are holy and righteous. Does that not stir your heart? The Scripture tells me that there was one day that I was alienated from God. I was given over to my evil deeds. But by Christ Jesus and through His death, I am presented before the Father holy and blameless. And if I had time today to talk about all my mistakes and all my moral failures and everything that I had done before I came to Christ on my 20, on that 20 years of life, I would be ashamed. But I know that I have been redeemed. That's what Christ Jesus has done for us. And then it goes on in verse 76 through 79. And he's talking about John. And you, child, will be, called, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare His ways, to give His people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of, your, because of our God's merciful compassion, the dawn from on high will visit us, to shine on those who live in darkness, and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. If the worship team could come up this morning. And as they come, I want to talk just a moment about what this babe in the manger has done for us. You see, we were even separated even more because we weren't even the one who the promise was for. It was for Israel. But God knew in all His time that He was going to come for the world. For us as Gentiles. 
And we rejoice that the light of the world has come in a manger, in a lowly state. He has humbled Himself to redeem us from the darkness that we once lived in. You see, there may be some today that are still in the darkness. That you are longing for the marvelous light. You're longing to be outside of the pain and the guilt that you struggle in and you are fighting against. And I want you to know that Jesus has done all this for you. And so this Christmas, when we're looking at the birth of Christ, let us have this mind. that I no longer have to stay in darkness. And as I ended last week's service, is that men don't want to come to the light because their darkness is exposed by the light. And as believers, we rejoice that our darkness is exposed. We rejoice at that. Why? Because we know the cross. But if you don't know the cross, you can and there's hope for you. And then the second part that I wanted to focus on this morning is that God fulfills His promises. His promises are yes and amen. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to sing two songs together and one is going to be yes and amen and the other is going to be fullness. And I want you to think about the promises that God has yet to fulfill in your life. And if I was honest with you, the world is so loud, I almost forgot what the promises are. Life happens, but God will not let His children go. And you see, all of us at different times have had promises that have been spoken to us either by His Word or through the church, or the Holy Spirit has spoken to us. And now it seems as if it's impossible, but I want you to believe that God is the God of the impossible. And so when we celebrate this coming advent of Jesus coming, let's remember that He is the God of the possible. So as we stand and worship together, The elders will be here. If you need prayer, we want to pray with you and for you. But let's just worship the King Jesus, God with us, Emmanuel together.